Welcome to Catholic Confessions. Hello, I'm Edith. Thank you for joining us for this chat. Okay, when I mention the word vocation to you, what comes to your mind? In the context of the church, I believe most of us will be familiar with the three types of vocations, married life, religious life, and singlehood. Somehow I always feel that as a single lay person, it's easy to feel out of place in the church sometimes because there's so much emphasis on the married life and the religious vocation. So sometimes I find it hard to explore my vocation as a single lay person in church. Another meaning of the word vocation when I think about it is I used to relate it very often to my job, my, my career, because I would think that a vocation should be something that we spend a lot of our time on and a lot of, a lot of us spend a lot of time on our work. So and I, and I remember when I was still teaching, I also spent a long time discerning, should I still continue in the path of a, a teacher? Because I equated that to my vocation. So I kept asking myself, is teaching actually my vocation? Is teaching in the school actually my vocation? So those are my thoughts. My friend Nicholas Lai, who's here with me right now, tells me that it is also very important that we know what our personal vocation is. Okay, so Nick, can you tell us more about this personal vocation? I think typically, as you mentioned, we often think of vocation as states of life, right? Marriage, religious life, or consecrated single. Um, actually, there's a lot more layers to the, vo- the word vocation uh, as understood by the church. Um, and I think first and foremost, the, the three main levels of vocation, right? Uh, that I just want to share before I talk about personal vocations, that the first ultimate universal call, right? That's universal to everyone, not just Catholics, but everyone in the world. It's a universal call to love, right? That is the that is a universal vocation for all of us. The call to love, the call to holiness, right? And that's what uh, Pope John Paul uh, has often mentioned about. And the next level of vocation is what is often termed as the primary state of vocation, the primary call, and that is the states of life, and that is the primary way that one may live out their calling to holiness or love whether it's through marriage or religious life or consecrated single. And it's called primary basically because once you have made that choice, it is more or less for life, right? And that's your main vocation. But the next level is also what some may call the secondary call. And that can change. And that may refer to what you mentioned about your job, your career, right? Which may change from season to season. And for that, anyone can discern that level uh, when they're starting out a career or when they're starting out a church ministry, right? That would be the sec- secondary call. And so many people often, even if they don't just focus on the state of life, they would actually look into how can I serve the church better or how can I love the world better? And which is why when I came across this term personal vocation, it really struck a chord, right? Because I too, like you, was chasing after, what is my call? Is it marriage life? And I, I went to getting into relationships and then later on uh, leaving a relationship to join the priesthood. And I think in that journey, while I was still seeking for my call, but I realized it wasn't so much a call outside of me, but rather a call inside of me. And that's what personal vocation is all about. In this book called Unrepeatable, which is um, by two Catholics, right, Luke Burgess and Joshua Miller, they have theologians and they talk about personal vocation as something that 
it's not about what you do in life, but simply who you are, your unique and unrepeatable self. And this is touched by Pope John Paul II in his encyclical Christi Fidelis Laici, right? He mentions that because of each member's unique and unrepeatable character, each member of the lay faithful should always be fully aware, not just of being a member of the church, but that they are also entrusted with a unique task which cannot be done by another, and which is to be fulfilled for the good of all. And I think this line really struck me because what it really means is that who you are and what you're called to can never be done by anyone else in the world because that is the unique and unrepeatable task that each one of us has been given. And that's what personal vocation is really about. It's about seeking that unique identity and unique purpose that God has called each one of us for. And in this book, Unreadable, it says that finding our personal vocation is like the secret key to discernment. It's the key to discern my secondary call, right? Which job should I take? Which ministry should I serve? It's the secret key to finding out which state of life can best lift up my unique call. And it's the unique key to, to help me discover what is my personal way and personal call to holiness and love. And therefore, they define personal vocation as the way that each unique person was created and called to give and receive love in the world. And that becomes that authentic personal vocation that all of us are called to seek. I see that personal vocation is important because it's sort of the starting point to discerning the other kinds of vocation that you mentioned, right? But to help me to understand it better, I mean, I understand that it's unique and unrepeatable, but do you have any kind of examples of like, you know, what, in an example, my, my part of my personal vocation is, so on, and how do I link it to, let's say, my career or, you know, married life or religious life? So I think early on in my seminary formation, um, we had a spiritual father who often told us that the coordinates of the Christian life, there are three coordinates, right? First is the Christian identity, followed by the Christian relationship, and then our Christian mission. And all three are important and interlinked. But I think for too often, we keep focusing only on the Christian mission. Right? We look at discernment as, okay, what am I called to do? Right? How can I serve God and serve the world? But without realizing that before we can reach that Christian mission, we need to first understand, who am I? What is my Christian identity? Before I can know how do I relate to others and then find my mission in life. And so this piece about Christian identity is so important. And I think he introduced this term, I also, it was new to me. He says, all of us need to discover what is our integrative gifts. It's not just knowing myself and knowing my talents, but what is this core gift or talent that integrates everything I do in my life. And that's where he brought us through an exercise and helped me realize that for the longest time since I was young, right, one of the core integrative gifts I often exercise is the gift of creativity. Uh, when I was young, uh, I never played by the rules, right? When, when people give me toys or game sets, I'm always trying to find and create new ways of playing those games. It, it was just part of me that loves exploring a different and new variety of ways. And then when you move on to school, right? When I give presentations, uh, I will not be the kind to just go by the conventional high introduction, you no? Know? There will always be some trying to make it creative, right? I'll tell a story or I play a game or I just do something to excite people, right? 
And, and then later on, when I went to the seminary, again, when I was called to lead prayers, whether it's rosary or holy hour, I'll be bored with the traditional conventional way. So I'll try to find something different, like no rosary. Let's do a picture reflection of the rosary, right? And let's you know reflect on the different uh, mysteries with pictures. And so I, I saw how in my life, from young all the way till now, I would love to use creativity in whatever I do. And I think that's key, one of the keys to understanding my unique calling, which is to look at your life and say, what is something in me that's already innate? There is something natural within me that I don't need to learn or, or try to find something outside of me, but it's already something practiced even without me realizing. And once I can discover what are these so-called gifts or even passions, that would be would help me know how best can I fully live out not just my unique uh, mission, but my unique self. And I love what St. Catherine of Siena will often say, it is by being who you are, who you were created to be, that you will set the world on fire. She didn't say, oh, you must be a religious or you must do big things for others. No, she simply said, be who you are. Understand what is your true unique gift and charism and then you will set the world on fire. I think we had a bit of a telepathic moment there because uh, just before you were, you were about to launch into your, your, your personal sharing about creativity, actually I had the same answer in my mind. Like the, the gift or some kind of a passion, right, mm. that really integrates, that somehow underlies everything that we do, regardless of how big or small it is. Mm. But maybe the way that uh, creativity for me, how, how it manifested, was, I, I suppose because it's unique, would be different a different experience from, from you. So, for, for example, when I was still a full-time school teacher, because mm. um, to be honest, it's, it's a very tiring and exhausting job and it can be very routine. Okay, which is re- not really my kind of thing. So how, how I tried to relieve that dreariness was um, in my early years, I would gather fellow teachers and then I would organize um, stage performances. So I've mm. organized mass dances, mm. singing, wrote scripts, you know, yeah. <laughs> to, to, you know, got them to act in um, yeah, very amateur plays and yeah. all that on, yeah. on stage. So it's to that extent that yes. I want, I like to, push my creative boundaries in in that regard. Then if I were to um, think about how did I come across this awareness that creativity is so important to me, Mm. definitely it took me a while, right? It's Mm. not an immediate thing that I would know like, oh, I like to be creative and everything. But it's more like, you know, constantly looking back and like, yeah, actually in those times when I felt most alive was when I was engaged in a creative pursuit. So it's only when I do that kind of reflection and then every time and it's like without fail every time it is, it's consistent that I can reach this point. Mm. So would you have any kind of like words of advice for, for people on mm. how to discern their personal vocation? So there's this um, Protestant pastor Frederick Wigner. Uh, he defined vocation as one's deep gladness meeting the world's deep needs. He starts off with yourself first. What is it that you enjoy most? What is your deep gladness? What is something that you're so passionate about that you wouldn't think twice of getting up to do? You wouldn't drag in your feet and you wouldn't like, oh no, that's another thing I have to do. But seek something that, what's your passion in life? What is something that really drives you and excites you? And then, as you continue living out that joy, that passion, you will naturally find places in the world 
that is in need of your charism, that is in need of your unique contribution to the world. Right? And I think more often than not, we do it the other way around. We look at the world and say, okay, what do we what does the world need? Or oh, they need more teachers, or oh, they need more priests and religious. And then we try to force fit ourselves into those categories which may not be fully who we are. And so one key point about seeking a personal vocation is going inward, not outward. And I think the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand what drives me and to continue developing those skills and talents and gifts. And then uh, we may eventually find ourselves landing into places that the Lord has already prepared for us. There's this other book by Parker Palmer. He's a Catholic and this book is called Let Your Life Speak. And he shares his own experience where he too right, was trying to seek noble ideas of how he's going to uh, live out his personal mission. And he went about you know, teaching in big universities and trying to like oh, make a difference right, in, in large places. And it wasn't until he was sent to a small university in a small town right, 10 years later just to fill in a professor for that time period. And he thought, okay, I'm just going to stay there for one year and, and all that. And it was a small town. He said, what kind of impact would I make? Then he realized only after spending that one year there, he enjoyed that small town contact with the students that he enjoyed, that he realized it wasn't his true calling to impact masses, right? It was just having that small, simple opportunities to be with people. And he ended up staying there for the rest of his career. From that experience, he shared with the readers that don't try and tell your life what you want it to do. Don't try and say, okay, I want to be a priest for, for others or I want to do big things. Rather, it says, let your life tell you who you are. Listen to what life is saying about you. And I think that was so key because as you live life, like, like what you said, when you're drawn to something, you don't intentionally want it to happen. Right? It just so happened, that, oh, I love creativity or I love organizing these mass dances. And that life, those life experiences would naturally give you clues as to what is your unique charism. He, he encourages us to listen more, not to dream of big ideals, but listen to what life is saying to you and to notice what is it that gets me going, what is it that I enjoy doing, and why is, what is it that there is a special charism that I've been given. And I give myself an example because, I mean, I've been discerning marriage for a while and eventually the Lord told me, why don't you look at priesthood? And I went for it, discerned eight years. And then the Lord told me to take a sabbatical. Right? And I felt he was encouraging me, don't look for your vocation outward. Find yourself first. Right? That before one can find your true mission and vocation, one needs to find yourself. And I think I took that one, two years to really look deeper into my life and realizing that, yeah, I'm someone who needs variety. I'm someone who needs creativity. I'm someone who enjoys just meeting people on, on the ground. And then later on, when God opened up opportunities to go overseas for mission trips or to encounter different people, and suddenly I felt like, oh, I enjoy this so much as well. And then it dawned upon me, okay, I do want to serve the church, but maybe the priesthood is not the only way. And again, in the past, you often think that, oh, the biggest difference you can make is a priest. But now I realize, no, the biggest difference you can make is being truly who you are. And for me, now that I get to go to different countries to share the word or to have meals with people and simply share experiences with them and, and make that the table of the Lord you know, for people to encounter God, 
I found so much more life in me. There's so much more freedom. And I'm, and I think that's really that key, to listen to your life first, to look inward. What is it about me that I enjoy? What is it about me that makes me alive? And then allow God to naturally offer places and opportunities that will help me see some alignment with my deep gladness to the world's great needs. And that could be the clue to your personal vocation. I'm reminded of this um, little incident uh, during this uh, dinner gathering. So it was a priest and a few of us from the same church. And the priest just suddenly asked each of us, what is your vocation? At that point already, I had quit my full-time job. So I, I was still thinking of vocation as job. So I was like, I don't think about it. And then it went on. After that, the, the lady, who my, my friend who answered, and she's a mom of three sons. So she has been a mom for many years. That's that primary vocation, right? In a way, she just had to do it. And the answer to the priest's question, what is your vocation, was that after these years of being a mom, then she realized that her vocation is to be a mom. Because, like you said, it was only by listening to life, because life has put her in that in that state right, where she got married and she had children. She had to do it. But I think deep in her mind, she knew that that was, at that point, she didn't see that as really her personal vocation. But it was only after bringing out three sons that she realized that, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And then she discerned that being a mom is my vocation. And at that point, I think I was a little, a little surprised because I didn't have this understanding yet. So I think, yeah, it, it all makes more, more sense to me now. Thank you, Nick, for these refreshing insights on our personal vocation, which is really something I think is applicable to every individual. If you are wondering how to start this discernment process, here are three questions you can ask yourself. Question one, what makes me feel alive? Question two, what is the unique way or ways in which I encounter God? Question three, where are the current circumstances in my life that allow me to live out my uniqueness? With that, thank you for listening and may God bless you in your discernment.